All right. Well, we have a that's wonderful. We have a special guest speaker today. We're in the summer series right now and having some folks from inside the church actually do the preaching for the next couple of weeks. And uh, so right now, I want to give it up for uh, uh, Chris Chapman. But first, let me just say a couple words about him. He is a, a former church planter and pastor. And right now, he is currently the vice principal of a middle school in Burleson. The brother can. Uh, can preach, and he loves Jesus. So y'all give it up for Chris Chapman. Oh, it's time. It is time. I mean, laying it out before the Lord in worship, inviting his presence, inviting him into the room, recognizing uh, new elders, or really coming alongside to bless and to empower what God is already doing through you. And now we're about to jump into some Bible stuff. And so I'm looking at maybe 20 minutes or so, so I'll try to keep it brief. Okay, so here's what happened. Last week, the great James Albright gets up and he says, Good morning, Christ Fellowship. I would like for you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And I turned to my wife, no kidding, I turned to my wife, I was right about there, and I said, Are you kidding me? That's the exact same passage that I'm preaching on next week. <laughs> and I've got, I've, I've got Jamie backing me up, because three or four weeks ago, as this was coming together, I said, uh, Jamie, I, I was thinking about preaching out of Luke 5. He's like, yeah, man, go for it, no problem. And so here we are. <laughs> and so it's been amazing, because James and I have communicated via email, via phone call, and it's like, well, I mean... Do I just pull something else out of the hat or what? And, and in our conversation together, it's been, no, maybe the Lord is up to something here. Maybe in this Luke 5, there's something that we need to chew on, stir on for a little bit. And so that's why we're coming back to it. So I hope that's okay with you. The main thing in our Memorial Day weekend trip to the lake with Jesus, my wife didn't like that title, by the way, but she's coming to second service. So I'll title it what I want. Um, Sorry. Uh. In our Memorial Day trip uh, with Jesus, here's the main thing, all right? Jesus is inviting and challenging all of us into life with him for the sake of others. And in the process, ooh, I like that word, in the process, he believes we can become like him by doing what he does. So go with me to the text, please. Luke uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. All right. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. I find it very interesting that at the end of chapter 4, it talks about how Jesus is like, I got to go preach in synagogues. And here at the beginning of chapter 5, he turns the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee into a synagogue. I like that irony there. Um, he noticed, verse 2, two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Do you know what it's like to wash nets? I do. When they're sitting there washing their nets, they're preparing for the next time that they're going to fish. But in that preparation, there's this cycle the cycle involves sulking, washing, and repeating. And so as they sit there and wash the nets, they sulk, they wash, and they repeat. 
It's a very visual and tactile reminder that their entire night of fishing was a waste. That their entire night of fishing landed them nothing. That they are on the shoreline of the lake destitute, in despair, with nothing to feed their kids. It is a cycle of sulking and washing and repeating. And it was the very cycle that I went into in May of 2011. Because in 2005, I had those visions of grandeur. I had gone and seen the many new churches in the DFW Metroplex. Christ Fellowship was one of them. It was awesome. It was when y'all were on 30 in Hewlett. It was fantastic. And I was excited to launch out in my boat in this church planting journey. And wow, was it full of ups and was it full of downs? Was it full of amazing catches and was it full of washing nets? And in May of 2011, the church planting journey came to a close. And it was then that I grabbed my nets for one last time and I sulked and I washed and I repeated. And for six, eight, Ten months, that was life for me, sulking and washing and repeating. It was my wilderness journey. God, did you bring us out here to leave us all alone? Did you call us into life for your sake and for the sake of others only to abandon us to our nets that have no fish? And it was then that I realized in that journey, Jesus was my master but was he really my Lord? Jesus was my Savior, but was he really Lord of all, enthroned over all in my life? The text is going to bring that out a little bit more. So we go into verse 4. When Jesus had finished speaking, he says to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Now let me do a little aside for you. Who does this Jesus think he is? Since when does a traveling preacher get to give ESPN Saturday morning fishing advice? I mean, stick to healing. Stick to saying cool stuff from God. Stick to like, you know, that kind of thing. Don't give me fishing advice. I'm over here sulking, washing, and repeating. I don't need you piling on. <laughs> and that's how I felt back in 2011. I wasn't trying to hear nothing from Jesus. I was done. I wasn't done walking with Jesus or following him in a general sense, but I was done giving my all for him. I mean, all it left me with was an empty net. I mean, come on. I was promised like this amazing church, just filled with people, huge buildings, television show, website, Twitter account with millions of followers. Where were you, Jesus? Where are you, Jesus? But I was sulking, washing, and repeating, just like Peter in the story. And that's when I found myself um, face-to-face with the rabbi who's given fishing advice. And so I'm, I'm in this, there's a ministry real close to, to Burleson where I live um, called Crazy Eight. And they are, I describe them as a home for the formerly homeless. And without getting into all the details, I found myself in the office of Crazy Eight because I was interested in the ministry. And at the end of my wife and I's visit with the director and the, of the entire ministry and the director of counseling, they asked if they could pray for us. Come on, even on my darkest day, sure, pray for me. 
What's it going to hurt? What I didn't realize was they wanted to pray for me. And so as they began to pray for us, the Lord started to speak and stir things that we had forgotten. And the director of the ministry stops in the middle of her prayer and she looks me dead in the eyes. This is the first time I'd ever met her. She looks me dead in the eye and she says to me, I don't know if this means anything to you or not, but the Lord wants you to know that the calling he gave you hasn't gone anywhere. That the calling he's given to you in your life has not changed. And it was in that moment, not only did the waterworks um, come out of my eyes, and in tears I realized I had said, just like Peter does here in a few verses, Lord, you're my master. You're the person that kind of gets to tell me what to do. You're my savior, because I sure need you to save me from stuff. But I haven't really allowed you to be Lord. I haven't really placed my identity in you. I haven't allowed what you say and what you do and what you call me into and who you are to really be who I am and to find peace in that identity. And so we move on with Peter, verse 5. Master, Simon replies, I mean, come on. Oh, sorry, this is my version. Master, we've been fishing all day long and we have caught nothing um, all night long, sorry. We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. It was in that moment that I felt like the Lord was saying, let down your nets again. Now there's a couple ways you can go here in this verse. There is the possibility that, that Peter is saying, hey, if you say so, I'll do what you say. And then there's the possibility too that Peter's like, whatever. I guess nothing else worked. Might as well. If you say so, reminds me of some of my kids, um, I'll go ahead and do it. And so regardless of where Peter's coming from, he does let down the nets again. And it turns out that the rabbi knows a thing or two about how to catch fish. It's amazing to me as we move on. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. It's amazing to me that when they fish after Jesus calls them out to go again, all of their expertise, all of their equipment, all of the things that they relied on when they fished failed them. All of a sudden, these masterful, you know, first place trophy at the weekend, angler or whatever they're called, like all of a sudden they don't know what to do. And they're out in the deep water with equipment that fails them so much so they got to call their buddies to come help them. It's also amazing to me that Jesus calls them into the deep water. Like, I don't think that's where these guys fished. Like, that wasn't where they were comfortable. I mean, who knows what's going to happen in the deep water. There could be some kind of cataclysmic storm come out of nowhere, if you've read other passages in the Bible. Um, there, there could be a door to the underworld that opened and, like, sucks them down into who knows where. I mean, they could be out there, completely out of their element, with who knows what happening, and yet, that's where Jesus calls them to fish. In some ways, I feel like, I feel like maybe that is Jesus' call upon us. That maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to rest in Him, 
and to allow how he feels about us to really drive who we are so that, empowered by his spirit, we can fish in the deep waters he's calling us into. I'll be honest, Fort Worth is some pretty deep water. Fort Worth is is a grand task. Not just the city itself, but the surrounding areas. You know, part of what I see in working in the schools, um, I I prayed that God would get me involved in my community in ways that um, would glorify Him. And and as a church planter, like, I really tried. I I really tried. But then God was like, okay, cool, I'm going to put you in the school system. And the things that I see every single day, and the kids that I talk to every single day, it's deep water. It's, it's tough seas. And I feel that way sometimes about Fort Worth and the, the broader community. But I know who is sending us. I know that He's not just Savior, but He's Lord of all. And as He sends us, He goes before us and behind us into the deep water that we might catch us some fish. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. It's amazing Peter's transition. Yeah, whatever, I guess we'll go fishing. To, whoa. There is something about you that is so not like me. There is something about you that I don't know what to do with other than to have my own Isaiah 6 moment. So I'm just going to go on ahead and I'm going to bow down and I'm going to recognize. Peter experiences that transition from master to Lord. From boss to guide. From, okay, fine, whatever you want, to, oh wow, yes, whatever it is you desire. And that's been my transition as I've come, I guess, through the deep waters of the church planting journey. We have, we have come, I guess, full circle to where the Lord, the Lord can have it all. You know, I've had to battle um, pride. <laughs> I've had to battle my own perception, and I've had to battle my own performance. Because the way I was living was, man, if we had X amount on Sunday morning, yeah, I'm the church planter. How are y'all? If we had X baptisms or X conversations or whatever, yeah, God's at work, but we're doing good too. And what I really had to lay before the Lord was my identity isn't in those things. I'll do it with school, too. Yeah, we're the great school. We integrate technology, engineering, graphic arts, math. Yeah, there's a wait list to get into our school. How cool is that? No, it's all laid before the Lord because it's His work, and we have the opportunity to be a, a part of it. And so I'm, I'm grateful and thankful to God for His mercy and grace in helping me through that transition. Um, and I believe that's the transition that, that Peter is going through in this passage. He's not just Savior. He is also Lord. And because He is Lord of all, we're free to be His people. We're free to rest in Him and have our identity in Him and go be about the things 
he wants us to be about because it's his work anyway. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. I've always thought that was strange. They left everything? Like they, they just had the catch of our, their lives? Like they could have the ultimate fish fry ever. I mean, remember all the people that were on the shoreline listening to Jesus? Like, this would be epic. The greatest fish fry in the history of the Sea of Galilee. And yet they leave everything and they go to follow the rabbi that gives fishing advice. There's no reason to be afraid when our identity is found in him. I'm not as much preaching that as I am just reminding myself. There is no hold that fear can have over you or I when our identity is found in him. Remember who these fishermen are. These fishermen are B-teamers. These fishermen are the not good enough. These fishermen are the misfits. Like, they couldn't make it in the religious systems of the day. They couldn't make it in the religious educational systems of the day. And so now they're, in a lot of ways, they're stuck with dad, like, apprenticing in the family business. And that's all fine and well, but it's also a reminder that they weren't good enough to become like the rabbis of their day. But here comes the fishing rabbi. And of all the people on the shoreline, he calls the guy in the boat who had failed the night before. Not only failed the night before, but failed to meet the standard when he was a kid and a young adult to become like the rabbi. And he steps forward and says, I want that guy. Some of you need to hear Jesus this morning saying to you, I want that guy. I want that gal. Some of you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see. And you need to know that Jesus loves what he sees. He wants you. He has chosen you. And so allow your identity to rest in him. I know because I'm the same way. I wake up in the morning and sometimes I'm feeling good. Sometimes I'm not. Kind of depends on how work's going, how family's going. But when our identity is rooted in Jesus, those things, those things don't have as much of an impact because we know, we know who we are. We know that we're, we're called by the King and we know that we have work to do in His kingdom. I mean, as the passage kind of comes to a close, that's what kind of gets me excited. Like, he calls these B-teamers, and then they drop everything, and they, like, go do stuff. Like, immediately, they're going and doing stuff. There's a kingdom that's breaking in to the passage and breaking into the context there that's, that's upside down. It doesn't make sense. It's a little crazy. Rabbis give fishing advice, and B-teamers become A-teamers, and it's a little strange, but yet the deaf hear, and the blind see, and those without any money end up eating food, and everyone's taken care of, and they go on, these B-teamers, to change the world. And we're sent into Fort Worth to do the exact same thing. So whatever it is that's holding you back, whatever it is that's making you think, yeah, that's nice, that's a little Bible story, that's good for them, but you don't know what I did, but you don't know what I think, but you don't know who I've been, you don't know where I was yesterday. I mean, you're just some assistant principal guy who got to do like this guest speaking thing, but you don't know nothing about me. But I know the king, and I know how the king feels. 
And the king wouldn't give us texts like this if it wasn't true. And the king wouldn't fill us with the same spirit that raised him from the dead if he wasn't about going into all the world and making disciples. And that's what we're called to be. And that's what he's calling us into even now. Your identity is in him. It's in what he thinks, what he feels, and what he says about you and what he's done on your behalf. And he's not finished yet. All right, it didn't stop at death, burial, and resurrection. <gasps> Hooray for death, burial, and resurrection. Not even going to lie there, but it didn't stop there. Resurrection is happening all around us. And he's allowing us, calling us, inviting us to participate in that with him. I mean, that really brings us back to the main thing, doesn't it? Jesus is inviting and challenging all of us I put all in there on purpose because everybody gets to play. My daughter got the Hart Award for her uh, freshman basketball team, and I love that. She's not the best player on the team. She comes off the bench. She got to play because another girl went and played soccer. Like, she loves basketball. She's just not one of the best players, and that's okay because I love to watch her love basketball. Everybody gets to play. Whether she's on the bench or in the game, it doesn't matter. She's just as fired up. Come on, guys, we can do it. Come on, come on. She's high-fiving. Like, she's that kid that sits next to the coach. And part of it, I think, is because she thinks if she sits there, like, you turn, the first, well, you're the first kid I see. Get in the game, Tori. Um, but she's like that kid, right? And so excited. doesn't matter which girl's coming on, coming off, whatever. Like, she's all in it. She reminds me, through her love for basketball, that everybody gets to play. That's how the kingdom of God works. Everybody gets to play. It is awesome to sit in here and worship and pray for each other and to get to preach and all the things that happen in our Sunday morning environment are phenom. But remember, when we're sent out there, everybody gets to play. All of us. Jesus is inviting and challenging all of us into life with him for the sake of others. In the process of that, and it is a process, in the process of that, listen to this, Jesus believes Okay, we talk a lot about our belief in God, and that is so good, but what if God believes in us? Jesus believes we can become like him by doing what he does. If he believed it back then with these broken fishermen, why wouldn't he believe it today with us? Worship team, ministry team, um, if you would please, come on down. Why wouldn't he believe it with us? It's so easy. For whatever reason, it is so easy for me to get sidetracked. Perception, pride, production. If I just work hard enough, then Jesus will really love me. If I just craft the perfect sermon, oh man, Jesus is going to be so pleased. If I just invite enough of my neighbors over for dinner, like Jesus is going to so love me, especially if I invite that neighbor with that issue, oh man, Jesus is going to be, oh, he's going to be all over that. If I just have enough spiritual conversations, I mean, if there's a way to figure out how to earn Jesus' love, I can do it. I can figure it out, but praise God, he does not work that way. Praise God, he does not work that way. So what is it? What is it you're trying to prove? What is it you're trying to produce? 
What is your perception of yourself that's keeping you from embracing the identity that, that Christ has already given you? It's, all, it's already there for you. The same Jesus who sent some broken fishermen to find the greatest catch of all is inviting and challenging you into life with him so that you can be sent to catch fish too. That's the beauty of the passage. He has stuff for us to do. That's how the kingdom works. I mean, I would love to sit on a cloud and play a harp and great are you Lord like forever, but we got stuff to do. You know what I'm saying? And when heaven meets earth, it's not to say we're not going to worship because we are going to worship. It's to say that we worship because he is our king and he's called us into life with him. We got stuff to do. Too many of our neighbors are stuck in their homes and we don't know them and the, the, the shrubs are really high and the blinds are shut and they open the garage door and they drive in and then they close the garage door and everything looks all good. And then we find out later what's really going on. Maybe some of us are in that boat. Now's the time. It's time. The king is inviting and challenging us into life with him. So please don't let this moment pass because that life can rejuvenate right now. So as we sing, please come forward and get prayer. Don't leave. Don't leave without meeting the king today. And Stand if you would.